is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Hello, everyone. Um, now, you may instantly hear my voice is slightly on the edge. Um, I've been a bit unwell this week, uh, and at points, uh, my voice has entirely vacated my body. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how we uh, power through this morning. Um, so if I speak softly and quietly, do not mistake it for, like, uh, lack of enthusiasm or uh, engagement or anything else like that. In fact, the other yesterday lunchtime, it completely went. Um, I prepared this emergency slide deck of um, an abridged version of today's preach. Um, so this is just the warm-up for that. So this is the intro to Romans for this morning. There we go. Okay. So just in case we have to abandon ship, you have received this morning's introduction to Romans. There we go. Yeah, Paul, donuts, the donuts. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Wow, you really get the full the full pitch of the cough through here, don't you? As well. Um, yeah. So Romans, Romans. Um, yeah, and as Paul mentioned uh, this morning, I'm going to be looking through uh, an overview of the book uh, for us, looking through some, some history, uh, some context, um, and a bit of a general overview for everything that lies ahead. Now, <coughs> goodness, this, this may take a little while longer than I thought it was going to. Um, I really enjoyed getting my can of passion from Graham's uh, talk uh, the other week. Um, I was then wondering what, what, what drink we'd give out to kickstart this series. Um, and I came to the conclusion it would have to be some sort of energy drink um, as we're in this for the long haul. But um, unfortunately, due to inflationary pressures, uh, we don't have any today. So you're going to have to imagine that can of Aid in your hand, but we'll get there. Um, we've got plenty to get into, um, and I'm going to be stopping every now and again for sups of water. So I'm going to pray, and then let's, uh, let's get into it. Father God, I thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you for the truth that you reveal to us, Lord. Father, for how you speak to us, for how your word is alive and living today, Lord God. Father, we just give you praise. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us as we start um, getting into this book, Lord God. Father, that you would really guide us, that you would speak powerfully to our hearts, Lord, we pray. Yeah, be with us as we uh, look through this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Romans. So uh, we're going to kick off by uh, reading the first few verses of chapter one. Um, couldn't uh, miss the opportunity, of course, um, to write everything out in Times New Roman. That was just... Uh, that was just There was a little part of the graphic designer in me that was crying when I did it, but um, at, the same, at the same point, equally loving it. Um, Paul, not you. Um, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles and to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite an introduction, isn't it? Um, I think it gives us a really nice uh, insight to the goodness to come uh, with the rest, uh, with everything else that's uh, within this book. Uh, now would be a good time to take an imaginary swig of your, of your Lucas Aid. This is water, by the way. Um, there we go. Let's start off with some context. Um, so this is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Uh, this, however, is no ordinary letter that you would expect to receive in the mail every day. Um, have we got any Friends fans in the house? Yeah? Okay. Um, this is not a letter where Paul has rambled on for 18 pages, front and back. This is an amazing and detailed expression of Paul's theology sent to the church in Rome. The gathered church congregation would have been hooked on every word as this was read out, as they absorb it for the first time. It shows us the revelation of God's judging and his saving righteousness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the cross of Jesus, God judges sin, and yet at the same time shows us his saving mercy. Just Wow, isn't that amazing? Not something to fall asleep to, for sure. I think these first uh, seven verses of Romans are, are pure gold, aren't they? I think it's important to not fly over this. As when, when you're reading the book as a whole, um, it can kind of feel like an introduction that you, you can sort of skip. Like when do we, get, to, when do we get, get past the introduction? But I love how Paul starts with, describing himself. He kind of gives an essence of his attitude as to his servant heart, how he's called to be apostle, um, and then and his purpose, set apart for the gospel of God. And then he goes on uh, what looks like a bit of a tangent where he says, okay, I'm going to take the, the next four verses to tell you what the gospel of God is. But this is why it's so important. Paul lays out the theme in these very first verses. What is the gospel? It's promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures. He takes us back into the Old Testament context, which throughout the book of Romans, Paul's always making it clear that, hey, this, this gospel, let, let me tell you, this isn't some newfangled thing. This idea, idea that you say, by faith alone, I didn't come up with this. This isn't some new thing. Even Jesus 
in one sense isn't new. The promises about him and the scriptures that speak of him has preceded this for generations. And so these early verses are really important. He talks about Jesus' identity, that he's the son of God in power. This opening section is so important to set the themes for the book. It's like a little miniature table of contents uh, here right at the very beginning where Paul sort of dabbles in these themes he's going to unpack later. We'll look at a bit more of an overview later on. So he says something about himself. Then he says something about the gospel. And then what I love is he says something about his audience. When he says in verse 7, he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, those three concepts, together, you're loved, you're God's holy people. Those are identity-forming concepts that Paul says, look, I'm going to tell you about me, about my message. Then I'm going to tell you about you. Here's who you are. To the church in Derby, too, this is for you. You're loved. You're called to be his holy people. So here's a bit more context um, about the book of Romans. Um, it's one of the longest uh, and most significant things ever written uh, by the man you may know who was previously known as Saul of Tarsus. Uh, who was he? He was a Jewish rabbi belonging to a group known as the Pharisees. And he was passionate and devout to the Torah of Moses and the traditions of Israel. Uh, and originally, he saw Jesus and his followers as a threat. But then, as you may know, the story of the road to Damascus, um, he has um, a radical um, encounter with the risen Jesus, um, who uh, commissioned him as an apostle, to the world of non-Jewish people called Gentiles. And so he started going by his Roman name, Paul, and he traveled all around the ancient Roman Empire, telling people about the risen King Jesus. These new followers were then built into these new communities called churches, uh, and Paul would occasionally write letters to, to these new communities to help them foster their faith uh, or answer questions uh, and the book of Romans is, is one of these. It was actually written from Corinth uh, on his third uh, missionary journey. Uh, here's a wonderful timeline graphic uh, for you to see. Uh, God, that's big, isn't it? Okay. <coughs> Dearing me. Um, so, yeah, it was on his third missionary journey in about AD 57. Um, you can see that Romans is written in the uh, bottom third um, of that timeline. Um, and after he's written to the Galatians, uh, Thessalonians, and Corinthians. Now, we know from the book of Acts that the church in Rome had existed for some time. And that it was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. But at one point, the Roman emperor uh, Claudius had expelled all of the Jewish people from Rome. And then about five years later, all of those Jews, including Jewish Christians, were allowed to return. 
And when they did, they found a church that had become very non-Jewish in custom and practice. And so this created lots of tension. And so that Paul, by Paul's day, the Roman church was divided. People disagreed how to follow Jesus. They were debating about whether non-Jewish Christians should also celebrate the Sabbath or eat kosher or be circumcised. And so Paul wrote this letter to accomplish a few things. He wanted this divided church to be unified. And from a practical purpose, he was hoping that the Roman church could become a staging ground for his mission to go even further west, all the way to Spain. And so these circumstances are what motivated Paul to write out his fullest explanation of the gospel, the good news that he was announcing about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, uh, the letter is designed to have four main movements, but it's unified as one long flowing uh, exploration um, of the gospel. Um, you got the next slide, James? Um, so we start off with chapters uh, one to four, which reveals God's righteousness. These chapters provide a very clear picture of how God is righteous and we are far from it, for why there was the law and how faith plays a part in it all. Then chapters five to eight also creates a new humanity by showing how we're released from the law and living life in the spirit. Which then chapters nine to 11 shows us how this fulfills God's promise to Israel through the gospel of Jesus. To then finally take us to chapters 12 to 16, where we see it's the gospel that's going to unify the church, supporting each other to proclaim the mission of the gospel. Um, and by the time we get to Christmas, there we go, we'll be there. I'm not going to unpick any of these themes uh, further this morning, otherwise we'll have massive spoiler alerts um, for the weeks ahead. But hopefully this gives you an overview of the flow uh, and key messages uh, within the book. Um, instead, um, as part of our overview today, um, I thought it'd be interesting to run through some fun, fast facts and general thoughts uh, from the book as a whole. So our first fun fact is uh, Paul didn't actually write Romans. Now, before you shout blasphemy and uh, rugby tackle me off the stage, I am just playing with words here. Uh, Paul is indeed the author of Romans. But we see in chapter 16, uh, the man who actually put pen to paper uh, was a man called Tertius, uh, who was himself a Christian, uh, wasn't just a paid scribe. Um, early church history um, actually claims that Tertius went on to become the, the Bishop of Iconium uh, and died as a martyr. So uh, there you have it. Um, I'll explain why this is interesting uh, very shortly. The second fact um, is connected in a similar way. Uh, the first interpreter of Romans was Phoebe. Um, Paul entrusted this letter to Phoebe, um, as we see in chapter 16, uh, verse 1. Um, if Paul had used standard practices in the ancient world for letters, it's likely that Phoebe... Uh, would have been guided by Paul on how to read the letter and perhaps would have been equipped to answer some questions um, about the letter posed to her by the church at Rome. This role 
uh, is much more than simply being uh, a messenger or, or postal worker, um, carrying the letter from Paul uh, to the church. It's an active part in helping give the message written by the Apostle Paul. This is what I love about uh, both this fact and the first one, is that Paul uses faith-filled men and women within the church to help build, encourage, and support the wider church. We can often just focus on Paul as the author, but in reality, he equipped many others in the mission for proclaiming the gospel and building churches. This is something for each of us today. Paul didn't want the church to be limited to his capacity and reach. Um, and so too for us at Jubilee. We, we don't want the church to be limited to any one or two of us. Each of us has a part to play in building the local church here in Derby and beyond. During our week of uh, prayer and fasting, we were praying for many different things. Passion, presence, power, people, place, plants, and purpose. What's God been saying to you about your role in these vision points? What's God been saying to you about your role in these vision points? I think it could be quite easy for us to move into this new series and uh, see the vision that we set out earlier in the year and for all that God has spoke to us during the, uh, the week of prayer and fasting, just to slip into the background. I want to encourage you today to keep pressing into these things and seeking what, God, um, what role God has for you to play in the church. God used Phoebe and Tertius in a, in a key way to lay the foundations for this message. It might be the case that you didn't get the opportunity last time we met, to share your testimony from the week. Or maybe God has been continuing on with what was said during the week of prayer and fasting. Either way, you haven't missed the boat. It was so wonderful to hear so many uh, testimonies from, from many different people. I'll say this for myself, but I know it's true for us. All of the testimonies we heard built up and encouraged the church. This could be you too. How is God going to use you in the year ahead? How can you press into pursuing the vision for passion in your own walk with God? Lucy mentioned a few weeks ago too, that we each have our own spiritual gifts. Make sure you use them. Together, we are a united church pressing forward in the mission we have uh, been called on. Okay, third fact. Romans, this is for the linguists in the room, you ready? Romans uses the rhetorical device of diatribe. Ooh. Now then, do I expect you to know what diatribe is? Absolutely not. That was a joke, by the way, if anyone got it. Hopefully you will in a minute. <coughs> Um, diatribe is a method or style used in philosophical, uh, philosophical yeah, that was right, teaching to gain the attention of pupils. Sorry, I had to be very clear with that. That's a very definite thing. It's basically um, asking rhetorical questions 
or using hypothetical objections to captivate the attention of those listening by posing potentially shocking answers so that they can be grounded back into the correct direction. I can immediately hear your brains whirring, thinking of some examples. Um, Romans 3. Oh, I thought James was going to be absolutely straight on it. This is, nah, we don't have to do it, mate. It's all good. Romans 3, verse 3. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's unfaithfulness? Not at all. <laughs> Romans 6, 1. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Uh, 6.15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Uh, last example. Romans 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Why? I went up a bit, isn't it? Certainly not. Started off very low and then I'm going to end up very high. Um, you can hear from some of these examples the way that those verses are crafted. Paul's use of this kind of rhetorical elements can help, us, help remind us that the book of Romans is carefully designed and written in order to drive home important theological and practical claims. It's almost like Paul takes us to the edge um, of a set of out there thoughts only to then bring us back to reality or God's truth, should we say, with a bang. It's one of those don't hear what I'm not saying moments. The point with all of this then is that it's a good key thing for us to watch out as we, as we read through the book. Um, as you know, when you see it, that Paul is really trying to make a key point diatribe. Who knew, right? Was this two minutes of your life wasted that you will never get back? <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, <coughs> oh, wow, that was special. <coughs> okay, fourth, fourth, uh, fourth fun fact. Um, Romans has a key role in church history. Um, We've mentioned earlier that there is um, an amazing gospel message within Romans. Um, and it was great when I was uh, looking into this to see the people in history who have been influenced by this book. Um, here's just a few. So we've got Augustine, as in Saint Augustine, uh, resting under a fig tree one day, heard a voice saying, take up and read. And so he picked up a copy of Romans and he opened it to chapter 13. Uh, verse 13, and this passage broke through his hard heart and gave him hope that his restless desires could truly find rest in Jesus. Um, it was Romans 1.17 that drove Martin Luther to see that salvation could not be found on his own merit, but only in the righteousness of Christ, and it sparked the Protestant Reformation. It was Luther's commentary on the book of Romans that drove John Wesley to trust in Christ and to preach the same good news. As well as that, there will have also been countless thousands throughout history who have experienced dramatic conversions through reading, 
and hearing the book of Romans. As we read through this together over the coming year, I want to encourage you to take the time, read, study, and pray into what God may be speaking to you about through the book. There are so many great influential people of the past who God uh, spoke powerfully to them. However, we know that the gospel isn't just a thing for the past, but is that living, breathing word for us today. Don't limit it. Don't just take it to the, the package on Sunday. Where could all that we look through take you on your journey of faith? I was so encouraged by, by Joe's testimony uh, last time we met about how God had encouraged him to get stuck into his physical Bible and how much he loved reading through, uh, through this book. Nice one, Joe. Um, thank you, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. I think we need to be open to going deeper, not just receiving the surface, but pressing in ourselves. You know, this may be the first time you've read Romans. It may be the 100th time you've read it through. Um, but I pray that God would uh, speak powerfully uh, to you through this. Um, that as we've been praying from our, from our vision uh, week, that God would increase our passion for him and give us that thirst to go deeper. Martin Luther wanted to go deeper. John Wesley wanted to go deeper. Where could going deeper with the study of this book take you? Where could going deeper in seeking God for what he's calling you in the church take you? As we uh, wrap up today then, um, and we, we kickstart uh, this series, there's going to be lots. There's going to be so much for us to consider um, and look into. Um, hopefully, you can see there is so much uh, good content for us as we look through this book to, together. I, I want to encourage us. Let's be thirsty together as a church to unpack all that's in here in the weeks ahead. Why don't we pray? Yeah, Father, we do thank you uh, for the opportunity to, to really study um, and get into this book, Lord God. Father, I do pray for, for, for each of us. I pray it for myself, Lord God, that you would help us go deeper, that you would help us uh, have that thirst to see more, to, to, to get beneath the surface of it, Lord God to really hear from heaven for all that you are saying to us, Lord God. Yeah, Father, though this uh, message was written for the, for the church in Rome, Lord, we know that uh, this message is uh, powerful and living for us as the church in Derby. And so, Lord, we are um, expectant for all that you will uh, speak to us in over the coming weeks and months, Lord God. Father, help us to keep hold of the vision 
uh, that we've been praying into, Lord God. Father, I thank you for all that you have spoken to us on, Lord. Help us to continue to press in uh, on this. Help us to continue to, 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 to seek you and to grow in passion uh, for you, we pray, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. Help us receive it in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday.